Chapter Four of Beauty's Hour: A Fantasy by Olivia Shakespeare. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. My father had taken me as a young girl to balls. I had sat out unnoticed but observant, and it had seemed to me that, under apparently artificial conditions women grouped themselves into three distinct types which were almost primitive in their lack of complexity the beauty the woman whose claims to beauty are not universally acknowledged and the plain woman the beauty always pleased me the most she was unconscious using her divine right of sovereignty with a carelessness only possible to one born in the purple experience had bred in her a certainty of pleasing that made her indifferent to the effect she produced which indifference made her the more effective that she had her secret moments of scorn i never doubted a scorn of that lust of the eye which held her beauty too dear and i wondered whether any such woman had ever felt tempted in some moment of outraged emotion to curse the loveliness that men loved careless of the heart or head the woman with disputable claims annoyed me she seemed to me like a queen dependent on the humour of the mob from whose brows the uneasy crown might be torn and trampled under foot and then replaced at a caprice she was uncertain of herself too much affected by the opinions of others to be easy or unconscious i was sorry for her too i felt sure that she often married the man who thought her beautiful out of gratitude for she was always unduly grateful her attitude towards the world being one of mingled deprecation and assertion as for the plain woman had i not stood hand in hand with her outside the gates of paradise all my life the angel with the two-edged sword looking on us with eyes that held both pity and satire oh kind angel stand aside and let us look through the bars and see gracious figures going to and fro and listen to strange music and to the sound of voices moved by a keen sweet passion we look we fall back and know the angel by his several names fate injustice mercy i had always recognised the subtle emotional intoxicant that is distilled from the atmosphere of a ballroom it seemed to come in great waves about me as i walked up the harmon's ballroom followed by dr trefusis he had written for permission to bring his niece and they were prepared to see me no i am wrong they were not prepared lady harmon was visibly taken aback and clara and betty had something deferential in their manner which showed a desire to be unusually pleasing then gerald came forward his eyes met mine with the look of one who sees something he has long sought and despaired of finding can you spare me a dance he asked pausing at the name my name is haverley said i 
my voice struck him he glanced at me with a puzzled expression and hesitated for a moment i must have more than one he said that was so like gerald i nearly laughed the page is blank you see i answered he took advantage of my remark and wrote his name several times in my programme i have the programme still dancing had begun again a crowd had emerged from the stairs and the ante-rooms a number of men were introduced to me some of whom i had already seen at the house the first with whom i danced was a colonel weston i knew him on betty's authority to be a beautiful dancer but he was a head shorter than i and i smiled involuntarily when he said shall we dance he caught my smile why are you so divinely tall o daughter of the gods said he and from what a limpen height have you descended this evening why have i never met you before i will answer no questions said i till we have danced my feet ache to begin then they don't dance on olympus the gods must come among the mortals to make merry i said for which thing let us be thankful he answered then we moved away i had been hitherto a bad dancer but to-night i felt a spirit in my feet and realised for the first time the mysterious joy of perfect motion as we paused near the door i saw bella sturgis coming slowly up the stairs she did not take her eyes off me i saw her question the man on whose arm she was leaning but he looked at me without answering it was a revelation that look in their eyes i saw it repeated in other faces over and over again as i walked slowly across the ballroom after the dance was over the next was with gerald my pulses beat thickly and i was hardly conscious of the outside world till we stopped dancing and he led me into a little room which i did not at the moment recognise as lady harman's study and so i have met you at last he said and i asked him what he meant yours is the face i have been looking for all my life he answered there was a strange simplicity in his voice and words as though he spoke on an impulse that overruled all conventions all fear of offence but what of the woman behind the face i questioned can i ever hope to know her if you know her you will be disappointed she is like any other woman he shook his head i don't believe it tell me what she is really like i looked round vaguely my thoughts intent on what i should say to him then i suddenly noticed the pictures on the walls and remembered that this was the room in which mary gower sat every day she is not without heart and she has a head that can think said i that is not like every other woman would you credit her with either if she had another face i asked him something in my voice struck him for the second time he looked at me with a quickened attention the face is an indication of the soul surely he answered that is a lie said i 
a lie invented to cover the injustice done alike to the beautiful woman and the woman who is not beautiful injustice he echoed the thing is so simple said i with a bitterness i could not hide you place beauty on a pedestal her face is an index to her soul you say what happens if you find she does not possess the soul which she never claimed to have but which you insisted on crediting her with you dethrone her with ignominy the case of the other woman is as hard she has a face that does not attract you so you deny her the soul that you forced on the other one she goes through life branded not by individuals i allow but by public opinion the vox populi is the voice of nature tis true but nature is very hard very ruthless i stopped gerald sat looking at me with a rapt gaze but i saw he had not listened to a word i said the hungarian band had begun playing again in the ballroom as i listened and watched the fantastic whirl of the dancers through the open door they seemed to me to symbolize the burden of all the ages desire and satiety illusion and reality dancing hand in hand to a music wild and tender as love sad and stern as life partners that look ever in one another's eyes and dance on in despite of what they see let us go and dance too said gerald i have no very clear recollection of the rest of that evening there was unreality in the air and a glamour and an aching pain men and women said gracious things to me yet seemed to watch me with cruel faces i was only conscious at the last of an imperative desire to fly to hide myself to escape even from gerald's presence and to be alone End of chapter 4